the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Kind of a cold day. Grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and let's uh, start to think about positive things. You know, once you replace negative thoughts with positive ones, you'll start having positive results. can't remember who said that, but it was somebody. (laughs) Important anyway. Happiness is a butterfly. When pursued, it is always just beyond your grasp. But which, if you sit down quietly, might alight upon you. And this is a great one. This is uh, from George Washington at Trenton. You know, when most of these guys were standing in an inch of water with no solar (laughs) heating or uh, just fires, small fires that they could build when they had a platform to build on. Freezing was, the temperature was in the sub-zero time frame, and most of them didn't even have coats. We must never despair. Our situation has been compromised before, and it has changed for the better. So I trust it will again. If difficulties arise, we must put forth new exertion and our and the proportion of our efforts efforts to the times. George Washington at Trenton. By the way, is he also had uh, one other one, and I can't remember how it goes. So <laughs> I'll, I'll try to get it in next week. Uh, anyway, the uh, the point is is that uh, we are a live show. So if you have a question, the number into the desk. Get, my good good man Lenny, who's a great technician, by the way, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. You know, it was another tough week, and um, this is getting old quick. <laughs> Probably everybody agrees. You know, uh, one of the most interesting things, uh, or the, the three big things we we saw last week was. It was positioning trades within U.S. US equities, uh, and they tend to be fairly mixed when the yield curve inversion occurs, uh, but have a classic defensive bias. A second, the S&P 500 PE of 16 times seems reasonable based on post-FMOC interest rate and inflation views and an analysis of relationships between rates, inflation, and PEs dating back to the 1970s. Third, the 3,500 level on the S&P will be the key to watch as we as it uh, represents the point at which the median recession will be priced in the S&P 500 PE based on uh, 2023 estimates. So that's kind of what we're thinking. You know, I, I think if you look at the corporate sector, you got to say, let's be real. You know, this is the saying in economics that we live in a nominal world. Okay, that may be true, but economics is graded in real terms, meaning inflation adjusted. And what we know right now is that the volume of goods spending, i.e. the real terms, has been and continues to sink. All right. There's a different way of capturing this important data. If you take a a look at a couple charts that I can't show you right now, but you look at the, the net value added and the real value added. Uh, in corporate businesses, and it's back to zero uh, in the real net value added. So that's that's a problem. So, you know, what we have here is the Fed's actions have broadened the potential range of outcome for stocks. And this has added uncertainty and has pressured the markets. And, and we examine the recent stock market weakness and what it implies for the market outlook over the next several quarters. And you know, U.S. and global stocks posted another week of severe losses this week. Um, you know, Friday was, a, I mean, the last hour, last 25 minutes was depressing. Um, I, you know, we had a 4.6% decline last week. We had another 4% decline this week. 
Uh, it's the fifth week of losses out of six weeks, and it's, and it's down to a 14.2% decline. So we rallied up 12%. We gave it all back plus two. So, you know, what happened? The Federal Reserve, again, raised interest rates three times. So, uh, you know, Mr. Powell thinks he's Paul Volcker and, and is working accordingly. Uh, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Uh, you know, Jeremy Siegel, who's uh, been teaching at Wharton and knows as much about the markets as anybody, suggests that they've gone too far. All right. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm not that good, so I I I don't you know uh, intermingle with these type of things. But uh, stocks are cheap now. <laughs> it's that simple. And I did notice something Friday. We were down 500 points, yet the bullish percent was up a tenth of a percent, which means there was a lot of stocks up. You know, all my biotechs. Stocks that I follow, except one, were up. There were several drug stocks up. Gold stocks were up. Oil stocks were up. A couple value stocks were up. So, hmm, I wonder what's going on. So, look, investors appear to have given up all hope of, of any kind of soft landing, okay? Um, Fed funds <clears throat> are now pricing in 4.75%. Remember, all the gurus, including the ones I follow, by the way, and we're talking about one5 Seven five as the high for this year, last year at this time. We're now at 3.75. So they're only off about 140%. <laughs> Oops. Uh, but that's the way it goes. You know, the problem is when you play cards with the Fed, they have all the cards. But look, I, I want you to start to think, you know, you have to think about a turn about here. Because we're 16 on the bullish percent, very rare you get down to single digits. You know, we did in 2020, uh, 2020, and we may again, who knows. But just remember, five years after a recession, the market's usually up 250%. 250%, two and a half times, okay? And the other thing is, you have to, you know, have to look at what's going on here. You know, the American Association of Individual Investors, <clears throat> they hit 60.89% bears. I've only seen that happen twice in my career. One, that, that Saturday, I saw it Tuesday, and that Saturday I called a generational low. <laughs> that wasn't too hard because the bullish percent was like six, and everybody was bearish. All right, so it was an easy contrary you know, thought. The other one, uh, I wasn't on the radio then, was 1990. And Saddam Hussein had rolled into Kuwait and been there for a while. <clears throat> and we started to win the war. And everybody was bearish. Okay. Actually, we got the 61% bears at that point. In the next year, the market was up 29% in the first two cases. So we'll just see what happens in the third case. Now, the bearish bullish scenario is one that I think is very interesting in that, uh, you know, you don't get over 50 very often. We got over 50 in two, you know, 2000, end of 2002 and end of two, uh, beginning of 2003, we were up big the next two years. We did it again in 2009. We were down 53. It was a negative 53.9%. We're at 52.9% today. All right. Everybody's negative. That's usually when the biggest rallies occur. So don't get too bearish. You know, I mean, I don't think you have to jump off a cliff or anything, but look, this week is even uglier than last week. You know, another week of this, and I'm going to need a vacation. Okay. Uh, the financial markets have become even more wary this week than they were last week. You know, there's a plethora of, of factors as, you know, the Fed remains committed to cooling inflation at a time when uncertainty is fueled by the Russian-Ukraine war. China's ready to chomp on Taiwan at any time. The Congress and the president are spending money like, uh, you know, they, they, got, they just won the lottery, you know. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and we have inflation at, at the highest level since 1970s. So... <clears throat> I am starting to see a constellation of leading indicators that point to good inflation 
uh, our goods inflation slowing, I should say. And the largest service components, you know, like housing, has the seeds of a peak in place, I think. Uh, but this is a period where investors are waiting, or they prefer to wait on the data, and hence stocks are suffer. We have a buyer strike. That's what it's coming down to, a buyer strike. Now, you know, there's a myth out there about the bond vigilante and the British pound's recent slide against the U.S. dollar amid turmoil and the U.K. bond market highlighted the relationship between the government, debt, and the currency markets. In an environment of heightened volatility, what are the near-term risks for investors? Well, what happened was basically the bond took a hit. By the way, the yen took a hit, too. And uh, Japan intervened. So did Britain. Britain, you know, first of all, did a... Uh, a, uh, they cut taxes. Sound, sound interesting? You know, we have a we have a another. We actually have a real conservative in uh, as prime minister uh, of England. She cut taxes, and now they're they're helping out in the bond market. And and so the truth, of course, um, well, you know, Carville's famous wish that he he said, "Can anybody uh, intimidate the bond market?" You know. <laughs> you know, uh, President Clinton once said, uh, "You mean I've got to, I've got to satisfy these people in the bond market?" You know, <laughs> and you know, you got to understand that that the bond market, what they do is, you know, I think they smoke too many cigarettes, drink too much coffee, and all they do is worry. That's what they do for a living. Okay, so bond markets in in 2017 easily funded an Argentine uh, century bond, hundred year bond. Obligation from a company that has defaulted eight times. Uh, so, I mean, you, you got to remember. Now, look, I think this week we had two high volume days for the dollar down. And same with yields, not the bonds now, the yields. So did we peak on the two and three year bond? And, and look, I'm going to talk about something that I haven't talked about in a long time. CDs. I got three, three year CDs for four and a half percent. And I think there's, you know, there's, I, I think I missed, you know, 4.7%. So if you can do three years at 4.7%, that's half of the stock market total return with, with no risk other than interest rate risk. I mean, if, we, if they do take interest rates up another point, uh, then you have a problem. So uh, now I'm talking about individual CDs and individual bonds. You can get a nice yield out of corporate bonds too, by the way. High yields may be pressing your luck a little bit. You know, high, high yield bonds are down about 20%. Well, I've seen some high yield bond funds are down like 37%, okay? Uh, so you might be pressing your luck there. But remember, the Fed keeps raising rates. Rates don't continue to go up. They anticipate the Fed doing that, all right? So CDs might be a good place. Now, I've only talked about bonds two or three times. I talked about during the financial crisis, at the end of it, actually, I talked about a lot of bonds were mispriced and you could get, you know, a five-year bond from Goldman Sachs for 10, 12%. All right. And, and we talked about some other companies, 10, 12% for five years. That was a great deal. And when I started the show, <laughs> uh, I talked about zero coupons that were six, six and three quarters, 6.85%. Those things were a great return over the next 10, 15 years. So uh, I, just, I highly recommend uh, especially for short-term money, you know, the two to three-year CD area. If you if you like our list, let me know, or you like me to call you with our uh, our ideas, let me know. Uh, our corporate bond list looks pretty good, too, I think. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Now, look, the S September hasn't disappointed being the seasonally disappointing month that often is. Uh, trending interest rates and the U.S. dollar remain major headwinds for equities, and we'll see you know, the dollar may have peaked. I don't know for, for now. You know, dollar's up like 20% this year. That's a big move for a currency, folks. And the S&P 500 and NASDAQ are stress testing right now critical support uh, at the summer lows and even dipped a little bit below it. I thought it was interesting, though. I had a lot of stocks up Friday. A lot of stocks. I guess the silver lining, you know, while the bear market downtrend remains firmly intact, the short-term indicators are signaling short-term oversold and basically exhaustion readings, all right? Now, that doesn't mean 
it's over, whatever. But, you know, if you look at the sentiment indicators, they have again moved to negative extremes. And the put-to-call ratios have spiked. They're, they're pretty, they're not to extreme levels, but they're pretty high. Now, what's a put-to-call ratio? That's the number of puts bought versus the number of calls, okay? And it's 108%. Now, if you get to 125, 130, that's extreme. But it's pretty good short-term over oversold uh, uh, reading. And granted, it's premature to conclude a major mo- market bottom is developing. But we expect some near-term relief coming. I, I bet somebody a buck that uh, in the next two weeks, we'd have a bottom and we'd, we'd rally for a while. Uh, now, I didn't say forever. <laughs> Uh, but I think we we'll rally for a while, and and I think you know it depends on how we go. But the ten-year and the two-year yields continue to to show some upside, but we did have a reckoning in both the ten-year and the two and the five-year. Uh, in the yields now, okay, we had a high volume sell-off. We'll see if it if it holds or if it turns back around. Now, the U.S. dollar index—that's uh, the DXY, by the way continues to trend strongly upside, it's kind of parabolic right now, all right, on a short-term basis. So with that high-volume sell-off, you wonder, is it going to, you know, is it going to try to um, make another top or is it going to break that top? It's rare, but it can happen, you know. But So you got to watch fairly closely here. But when you have high-volume sell-offs from a, from a parabolic move, usually if you make a lower high, you got to be uh, uh, concerned. And you know, uh, gold has broken some pretty important support at 1670 for the, you gold bugs out there. And the next support's at 1617, and you're, you, you were up Friday, so uh, maybe that'll hold. Um, oil's correction continues. You know, the weekly momentum uh, indicators move very to very oversold territory at this point. Uh, so it, it, it suggests a tactical low coming maybe in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, that was a great trade for a pretty long time. And in two weeks, they dismantled uh, like 20% of it. Uh, so, look, I, I just think, you know, there's two there's two, two or three different things that are going on here. Number one, growth versus value. Growth remains in a downtrend, as many growth stocks are. Remember, value didn't have as far to fall. A lot of the value stocks are trading at 12, 13 times earnings, all right? A high beta Versus low volatility is tracking, you know, uh, the bounce in June was, you know, we had a pullback and we held. So, you know, high beta is the cyclical stocks, okay? And, you know, so those are the ones that have held up the best. So let's take a break and we'll be right back uh, with more wonderful news. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. If you've got a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Come join us for the 13th annual Cuyahoga County Councilmember Nan Baker Pancake Breakfast, Sunday, October 2nd from 9 to noon at the Umerly Civic Center in Rocky River. Join Nan along with special guests Cuyahoga County Republican Party Chair Lisa Sticken, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, State Senator Matt Dolan, State Representative Tom Patton, as well as Congressional Candidate Max Miller, Lee Weingart, Candidate for Cuyahoga County Executive, and Michael Lamb, Candidate for State Representative. Also in attendance will be County Council members, local judges, mayors, and school board members, as well as a special appearance by Bob Hope Jr., nephew of beloved comedian Bob Hope. It's a great opportunity for you to personally meet your local and statewide elected officials and candidates on the ballot November 8th, enjoying the music of DJ Kenny G, and of course, pancakes. Adult donations just $5, kids 5 to 12, $3, and kids 4 and under are free. Bring the family for the 13th annual Nan Baker Pancake Breakfast, Sunday, October 2nd from 9 to noon at the Armorley Civic Center in Rocky River. Paid for by friends of Nan Baker. Hugh Hewitt says illegal immigration is everyone's problem. That's what this is all about. Governor Abbott to Chicago, sending uh, immigrants on buses. Governor DeSantis in Florida, sending immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. 
It's just putting a line under it that the border is open and it's everybody's problem and it's Joe Biden's problem. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob Fratz at 9 on AM 1420. The Answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. And he was willing to All right. Uh, just tuned in. This is Martin Bester Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, you know, we, we haven't had a magazine cover uh, in a long time. And, you know, magazine covers tend to be a little bit too bullish. For example, the, probably the best example is back in 2000, they had every member of Silicon Valley on the cover of Business Week. And Business Week, by the way, is the best example. And you never heard from those companies again for like 10, 12 years. And I'll just say this. Tim Cook was on the cover of Business Week this last week. or well, actually, it was a week ago. And by the way, the stock's down 12% since he was on the cover. And they talked about his earbuds. Uh, so be careful. You know, you'd, you'd hate to see that. But so uh, I was looking and... and um, now, I looked at the New York Stock Exchange Index, and I thought it was interesting that Friday, you know, if I look at new highs, new lows, the, the new highs picked up, and the index actually was up Friday. Now, the Dow was down 500, but the, the New York Stock Exchange Index was up. Now, my question, I don't know if that, I didn't check this chart, so I apologize, but I don't know if that includes bond funds or not. But if I looked at new highs, new lows, you know, we, we hit uh about two weeks ago we hit the bottom for new lows and we're making less and less new lows and we made a lot less uh this last week and and i thought that was kind of interesting uh new highs versus new lows are still down but you know it's one of those things where you got to pay pretty close attention so um you know there's things going on out there that i think are, are kind of uh you know, it's an interesting time because uh, a lot of people are really, really bearish. But look, I, I if you look at the PCE, in, which is the price index excluding food and energy, the PCE price index, I think you can anticipate that it's probably going to give you a little bit more uh, inflation. You know, it's not going to go away today or tomorrow. But, you know, you also got to know that, you know, High yield bonds, you know, let's if I just look at the Barclays high yield bond ETF, which is JNK, you know, it, it was at 107 and, uh, you know, it, it, it hit 87 the other day. So, I mean, uh, and, and that's the higher quality stuff. You should see the lower quality stuff. It, it, you know, they beat them up pretty bad. So I think you have to be a little bit, um, you know, more dynamic in what you're you're doing. And it's been tough, believe me, because I've. I've you know, like, uh, look, uh, I still own a little Nike, and they beat it up bad Friday. Um, and I, I was, I, I'm, I'm actually the numbers were pretty good. They just said they had too much inventory, and boom, they they whacked the stock. And uh, you know, so it, it's kind of a, a tough period to go through uh, when when you're dealing with stuff like that. But look, uh, I, I want to make a couple comments here that I think are interesting. You want to buy yield when it's up. And there's going to come a time where the Fed continues to raise interest rates. And interest rates don't go up because they've slowed the economy down too much. And I think what I would be looking at is uh, utilities. You know, they've beaten them up. They, they were holding up well. Now they've beaten them up. Some of these have, you know, 4%, you know, 3.5% you know, dividends. Uh so that might be an area that that I would uh, proceed with. And if we have a great report on, it's called Watts Cooking, you know, like Watts. Uh, and uh, it's it's really well done. It has all our best ideas in there. And so if you'd like that, let me know. Um, so the U.S. equity markets remain trapped between uh, the red, which is, you know, the 2022 bear market downtrend, and some important support near the summer lows. And I don't know if it's going to hold or not. I don't know if it held Friday. Uh, I, you know, I, I was looking at it. I don't think it did. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you, you uh, make a lower low before uh, everything's 
you know, said and done. Um, but the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, the, the Dow, they all have the same chart. And, they, you know, we're still below, you know, the uptrend line. Remember back in August, I said we didn't break the uptrend line, and that's not a good sign. And we, we still haven't, and, and we may have started uh, a new downtrend line. So uh, I, I, I haven't seen anything, you know, we're very oversold. I haven't any, seen anything uh, indicating a bounce. Now, commodity indices are, indices are are showing some signs of completing cyclical tops. So that might be, you know, uh, that might be it. But look, I, I um, we got the ten year yield, and it's testing some important, a very important technical uh, hurdle, which is four percent. And remember, back in the spring. All right, I said that we broke a 40-year downtrend in yields, and things would change. Okay, I didn't know they changed this much. <laughs> I also said that the dollar broke a 36-year downtrend, and that things would change. And uh, I, I think we got the first sign of a pause on the dollar, which would be very positive. But these are things that you know you have to pay uh, pretty close attention to, and uh, you know. Look, I noticed energy stocks continued to deteriorate, uh, you know, in the, in the third quarter was a disaster for them, um, or, or so far. And, and like stuff, there's been several of them, and even some ones that Warren Buffett bought uh, that have broken below their, their summer lows. By the way, Buffett paid up for some of these oil stocks, and, and they're getting beat up a little bit. I also noticed that some of the, the guys that are dealing with, uh, you know, credit cards, have been getting beat up. Uh, so they're finally getting to the the big names that have been holding up. And that's usually the end of that cycle, okay? You know, uh, I told you about Apple and Tim Cook being on the cover of uh, Business Week. Uh, it's business, Bloomberg Business Week now. Uh, so uh, that's, that's an interesting uh, scenario. Uh, now, remember, we talked about this four-year cycle, and I, I didn't think it was going to you know, we were going to get beat up this bad, to be honest with you. And, I, you know, look, I, I don't think anybody else did. But you got to remember that twice they said 50 basis points, and then the next day they did 75. Okay, so it's hard to play cards with the Fed uh, because they know your hand, okay? And they know everybody's hand, including their own. So in theory, the next up cycle is likely to begin in 2024, okay, based on the four-year cycle. So I think what we're going to have is a choppy trading range through much of 2023. And then, you know, probably uh, in August, September, maybe after September, you know, you have a big, you start a huge up move, as a matter of fact, uh, because nobody's in the market. Uh, mutual funds have their largest cash position ever. Uh, there's $6 trillion or something like that in the, in the money market. Uh, you know, people have taken 2.4 trillion dollars out of the market and put it in short-term bonds back in june i think they're doing it again and uh by the way you know cds are okay for people i mean look i think we're getting back to that 60 40 uh type uh portfolio now so you know you can put 30 percent you know 10 percent in cash 30 percent in in bonds i would just stay with the shorter term bonds at this point i don't think uh you want to play with the longer term bonds yet anyway now the S&P 500, if, if you look at the relative performance versus the bonds, uh, I, I use the uh, Barclays All Aggregate Bond Index. Uh, it's showing further evidence of peaking. So bonds may be the place to be, you know. So do you stay more in stocks or more in bonds? Uh, look, I just I just report this stuff, so uh, you know I'm just looking at the charts. But um, you know we we didn't hold the test of the June low, that's not a good sign. Uh, and the Dow and the S&P. And the NASDAQ, I, I thought it was interesting, the Russell uh, kind of had an interesting day, and the New York Stock Exchange Index had an interesting day. Uh, and and I, I don't see anything that makes me uh, jump and shout and run all about, but I do think there's lots of suggestions of we're getting close. For example, the number of stocks below their 200-day moving average is you know near a cyclical low. Uh, the number of stocks below their 50-day moving average is back to deeply oversold levels. The the put-to-call ratio is over one. The the number of uh, of uh, total puts, uh, I'm just talking about equity puts at one. T 
total put uh, is at 1.39. That's a pretty high number. So we're starting to see some things that are interesting. And we're also seeing a divergence between the VIX and the S&P 500. So you continue to see no real meaningfully, you know, uh, evidence of a bottom, which is the hard part here. But we do have the lowest number of bulls I have seen since, boy, the 1990s. All right. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the, I told you about the American Association of Individual Investors. Bearish setup in is over 60. Only happened two or three times in my career. Hey, let's take a break. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. I'll always remember Andy's first words to me. I didn't even know we had an ad on Craigslist. Not good when you're calling about a Craigslist job posting. Despite that, we talked for hours and Andy hired me right there on the spot. I was the first non-family member plumber in the business, but it felt like I was immediately adopted into their family. It still feels that way for me and everybody at Why It Works. It's why Mama Ruth still cooks breakfast for everyone. The best part of being a plumber here is the support you get from everybody. One of the earliest solo jobs I had was working in a mansion with a huge indoor pool and a super fancy water heater system. So I called Andy for some advice. He dropped what he was doing, drove over an hour and a half, and trained me and showed me what to do. And that's not an exception. That's typical. That's why we want to get things wallacadoodle perfect for our customers. I'm Jamal, and if you're a plumber that wants in, skip the Craigslist ad, call us direct. Consider it done at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. A new season, and the wonder is all around. The Cleveland Orchestra welcomes you back to Severance Music Center this fall for an exciting new season of in-person concerts. The artists you love, the music you love, and you. Experience the sheer power and joy of live music as only the Cleveland Orchestra can perform. Concerts begin September 29th at Mandel Concert Hall. Tickets on sale now at clevelandorchestra.com. Okay, we're back. You know, uh, if you think, uh, you know, I had a discussion last last week with Michael. and uh, Michael seemed like a pretty sharp guy, by the way. Uh, he called in and we just had a conversation. I'm, I, I keep talking to people about these wealth plans because in times like this, you can, you can go to the playground, okay? And, and play, hey, did I do something wrong here? Or will, you know, I, be, I have enough money to retire? Uh, so it's always good to have a plan when situations like now are occurring. And remember, you can get a wealth plan without becoming a client. You know, we'd love to have you as a client. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if you go, if you call, call my number, uh, which is, uh, you know, 216-774-8906 is my direct number. Call it and get a wealth plan. All right. Questionnaire. We'll have uh, my assistant, Kyle, who's a great guy, uh, send it out. All right. So at times like this, don't forget the wealth plan, you know, and you don't have to become a client to, to, to manufacture one of these things. And it helps. Trust me. And if you want to become a client, we'll always help you. All right. So, but anyway, Michael and I, you know, I talked to him about a wealth plan about two months ago. And so he called back and he said, these IPOs are getting cheap. I said, you bet your bottom dollar they are. 87% of the IPOs are 15, uh, in the last three years, are 15 to 20% below their IPO price. And by the way, 72% of those we're up over 100%. Look out below. All right, that's a that's a tough scenario. So, you know, uh, we talk about the bullish percent, and I'm going to get to that for a second. I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the bullish percent for the S&P 500 uh, because it's below 12%. It's actually at not 9 right now, okay? 
uh, you know, it hit 12 uh, on Thursday, and then on Friday, uh, it hit nine. So that's a pretty low number. The returns, the median return after 12 months is 33%. The average is 32.67. So we're there, folks. I mean, we're, we're near a bottom, I think, and I, I just don't know what's going to turn it around, and I apologize, but, you know, look, it, it, it's hard to, uh, hard to judge this stuff, you know, hey, because they, they don't ring a bell, okay? You know, when people can tell you they know exactly where the bottom is, they're wrong. <laughs> You're getting close, though, okay? 16 is a pretty low number on the bullish percent. We haven't been there. You know, remember, all of 2021, we just talked about how the bullish percent kept going from 80 to 60 to 78 to 60 to 76. Those are lower tops, folks. We broke 60. You know what? All broke loose, okay? So we, we were actually up Friday. The bullish percent was up Friday. It was at 16.1. It finished at 16.16. Not much, but, it, you know, when you're looking for silver linings, that's not bad. So we're at 16.6. The over-the-counter index was up Friday, too. And, by the way, it, it was down to 16.2. 16 also, I'm sorry. And it finished up at 16.21. So they were both up, which is an interesting scenario. The world index was down another three. Uh, so it's at 21. So it's not as oversold, but uh, this is kind of interesting. Cash overtook commodities as the number one in the number one spot in dynamic asset level investing. So cash is number one. Domestic equities are number three. Now, currencies are dead last. Remember, when domestic equities were dead last, I said that cash would outperform the market. I said that live, live, folks, back in 2008 and 2007 and 8, I'm sorry. Uh, And I said it for three months. And now I think you got to worry about currencies. And if something's going to blow up, you know, look, a country's currency blows up, they got a problem on their hands. I mean, right now, the, the, the yen is being propped up. All right. The pound is being propped up. So cash is the number one asset class. Commodities are number two. Domestic equities are number three. By the way, I thought it was interesting Commodities held their own. It's just cash, you know, went forward uh, quite a bit. So that's an interesting uh, scenario. You know, the dollar is where it has peaked at numerous times, uh, and you know, it, it's hard to. Uh, uh, I mean, it's hard to say, hey, we're at the top, okay? But we did have two high volume days and a kind of a parabolic move. Remember, this thing went from. You know, I'm looking at the UUP now, which is the the dollar index at the ETF. You know, this thing went just straight up from three weeks ago. All right. So the dollar may be done for a while, not forever, but for a while. Remember, it broke a 36-year downtrend. Now, usually when you break a downtrend like that, you go sideways for a period of time. Uh, So, you know, the fact that interest rates broke out and Commodities broke out and dollar broke out. This is all Fed induced and and the Congress induced. Okay, so your 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 hard working dollar tax dollars have gone to waste is what it comes down to. Anyway, but usually you know they spike up and then they go sideways for a while, kind of like a saw action. All right, uh, saw tooth action, I should say. So we'll see what happens going forward. But in dynamic asset level investing, all we're doing is looking at relative strength investing. We want to be in the best sectors with the best stocks. Energy remains number one, which is hard to believe. It just tells you how energy outperformed this year. We recommended energy last year and infrastructure, and those all those stocks are still up from that point, by the way. And consumer non-cyclical, which means staples. Utilities, we just talked about, financials and industrials. What I thought was the most improved was healthcare. Now, healthcare was dead last for three years, you know, well, actually for five years, okay? So, Remember, energy was dead last for three years, and so wasn't basic materials. Now, basic materials did <laughs> a round trip. <laughs> they're, they're second to last now. Well, no, they're third to last. Communication services is the one that's getting hit, and that's because of meta, uh, Metaverse. Uh, I, I think Zuckerberg may have made a mistake. Uh, energy, though, it's still overweight. It's still overweight consumer sickle, uh, staples. And healthcare, 
Remember, I've talked about that healthcare conference numerous times, which you can get by calling me or you know emailing me. If you go to my webpage, you know if you go to WHK, go to local podcast down to, to Smart Investor Show, you can go directly to my webpage, and you know I, I highly recommend it because you know I talk about the bulletin board and Insight. You know Insight has a lot of good stuff, and they're constantly changing that research, but it has all sorts of contact me and email me. So if you want to get together. Talk about a wealth plan. Talk about your portfolios. Talk about a lot of things. We we can for coffee. Just let me know. Uh, basic materials, communication services are still underweight. Uh, they haven't made a bottom yet, folks. So uh, now, look. I looked at China, and China. You know, a lot of people uh, have been talking to me about China, China, China. China broke a double bottom, and I'm I'm looking at two different ETFs. So they both broke a double bottom. I don't think China is the place you want to be yet. Okay. Now, somebody asked me uh, also about Brazil. And, you know, Brazil broke a, do- broke a triple bottom, actually. Um, and, you know, was right at this downtrend line, looked like it was going to break through and then went to the other direction. So they're not solid citizens yet. I, I can't recommend them. Uh, now, the U.S. Treasury yields have continued to climb over the last week. And uh, the 10 year yield index reaching 3.975%. So that 4% is a big, big barrier, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, th- there's the uh, the ICE uh, Bank of America Move Index, which measures expected volatility in the bond market, and it reached 158 on, on Tuesday, uh, eclipsing the June high. So if you think stocks have been volatile... Your, your bond portfolio got killed this year, all right? That's why I have not been recommending bonds. When you get to all-time lows in interest rates, when interest rates go up, bond prices go down, all right? So your principal is down, and in some cases, 20, 25%, okay? That's not what you want out of a bond. Or And by the way, your CD, if you try to turn it in right now that you bought last year, you know, just to, you know, just to get out of the market, whatever it may be, you probably got beat up in it, okay? Now, the 10-year yield had a big down day, got to 3.97% and then and finished the day at 3.725. And I think it finished Friday at 3.81. So uh, that was a, a big turn day. Now, uh, you know, oil oil itself has been had negative momentum for three weeks now. Same with gold, same with copper, uh, corn. Has uh, rallied and broke its downtrend line, and the other one is wheat. Wheat's still below its its downtrend line, uh, so I would look. You know, if I was looking at commodities and I was doing the dynamic asset level investing, relative strength investing again, I'd start out with agriculture, then precious metals, then energy, then industrial metals. So uh, uh, industrial metals are not favored, so I I, I wouldn't mess with them. Uh, agricultural held up pretty pretty good during this period of time. I did notice the precious metals. What's interesting is the relative strength picked up and energy went down. And uh, what's what's interesting is if the dollar did peak, commodities may be a place to go. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that that's something that you have to pay more attention to uh, in Tim Hayes's uh, humble opinion. <laughs> uh, but look, I, I really think that stocks indices, okay, are likely to bottom out in the next couple of weeks, all right? Um, now, look, I, I bet a buck with one of my clients, and so it's, it's, it's not like I'm betting a million bucks on this or anything like this, but uh, the rallies might encounter some resistance into earnings and expiration by mid-October, but any late-month sell-off, I think, probably would be viable into December. Now, I'm not making any calls after that because, like I said, you can't play cards with the Fed, you know? I mean, they've They've done some things this summer that Tim Hayes was not expecting. Tom Lee wasn't expecting. Lori Calvacina wasn't expecting. A whole bunch of other people weren't expecting. So, um, and, you know, if they can now look, there are some Fed members now that are questioning that. Okay. Yeah, it's in Barron's this week. So, uh, uh, Treasury yields, I think, have likely peaked out at uh, the near term. You know, this is near term now, especially two to five yields. Right? I think U.S. dollars get very stretched, and you know it's almost parabolic. So be careful. 
I think uh, commodities could be close to bottoming out. You know, some are down 35, 40%. Uh, so it, it, it could get really interesting. Uh, but I do like the fact that the number of new lows shrunk very drastically on Friday. I also like the fact that I had a lot of green on my screen on Friday, which is very positive. Now, some didn't, but uh, look, I, I think, you know, if you look at treasuries, they've gone parabolic. Uh, I'm talking about treasury um, yields now, and um, that's something to pay particular attention to. You know, if I look at the 10-year, 10-year cycles, you know, going back to the cycle stuff, uh, the recent push to, you know, 4.1 to 4.15 on the treasury should be a chance to add to duration and you you would you would expect weakness into the year end okay so uh, we'll see what happens all right in the meantime let's take a break and uh, we'll be right back you got a question 216-901-0945 stay tuned may be the most important election in the history of our country. Join AM 1420, The Answer, with Bob France, Peter Kersenau, Brandon Tatum, Hugh Hewitt, and Eric Metaxas for a vigorous discussion about the issues that are so crucial to you, your family, and community. The Battleground Talkers Tour could make the difference of this coming election. The Battleground Talkers Tour, October 22nd, sponsored by Todd Saylor of Wired Differently. Get your tickets today. Visit whkradio.com. Dr. Sebastian Gorka tells you where the real evil lies. Ooh, but if they show up in Chicago, in Manhattan or Martha's Vineyard, ship them out straight away. Because that's how tolerant you are. The real fascists. The real racists. They're in the Democrat Party. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. All right, the Chattanooga to you. <laughs> anyway, uh, I said the Jersey, but that's the Chattanooga too. Can't remember my uh, big band. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, in the mood. There we go. Um, Thanks, Michael. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, Lenny. I'm thinking I'm, 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 I talked. Michael just emailed me, by the way, and he said, uh, I am doing my wealth plan now. <laughs> so sorry about that, Lenny. That was Lenny that uh, filled me in on In the Mood. Anyway, we talk about insiders now, right? Insiders know their, their company, companies way better than we do. And, you know, uh, I will say that I'm seeing some stuff. We're, we're having multiple buys by some of these companies. And, and, you know, and I'll mention some of these, and you should write those names down because they're buying a lot, okay? Now, I don't know. This is Dave in Company, and it's a software company. And this guy bought uh, – uh, Jason Wilk is his name. He bought – he's the executive chief executive officer, and he bought uh, two sets of $15 million. Uh, He bought the warrants, too. And at ten dollars, and the stocks at like uh, a buck, uh, blow. So I don't know what that's all about, but he did it uh, on Friday. So we'll see what happens. And then uh, Brazy uh, Software. You know, we talked about these guys last week. Uh, with, you know, Doug Pepper and Matt Jacobson both uh, bought three three point seven million dollars worth of stock this week. And then you know we had Loop Media last week. You know, which got killed. It was fourteen, and now it's four. Uh, they they bought uh, the Bruce Cassidy, who's a director there, bought two point three million dollars worth. And here's one that I haven't seen in a long time: CalAmp, which is in communication equipment. The, you know, this was a thirty dollars stock. It, uh, it's now I think it was six fifty just a month or two ago. Uh, it's now you know two dollars and some change. Uh, no, it's uh, four dollars and eighty six cents. I'm sorry. Um, and at five, uh, a director bought two point three million dollars worth. 
And then another director, Wes Cummins, bought uh, $800,000 worth, which I thought was fairly interesting. And then we have, um, you know, uh, you know, Next Point Diversified Real Estate. Remember last week, they bought quite a bit. And, and uh, the same gentleman, James Dodaro, uh, bought another uh, $1.2 million worth. Oh, I forgot. You know, Wes Cummings uh, bought uh, several times uh, in CalAmp. He bought... Uh, Four hundred fifty thousand, uh, so he bought nine hundred one point seven million total, um, and then uh, the the Maturitz company, which is uh, you know was twelve bucks, is now seven ninety. We had uh, Ed Coppola, who's the president, buy uh, fifty thousand shares, and then Coin, uh, which is you know Coinbase. Uh, you know we we had uh, the uh, director buy uh, fifty nine hundred shares, so. These are kind of interesting, and here's another one where they've been selling, 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 and we just had a new buy, and it's uh, John Adent, who's the president and CEO of Neogen Corporation, which was uh, like a $30 stock, is now like $14, uh, and he, there was several buys. And uh, also Zoma, B, uh, BFV Partners, uh, you know, had bought a whole bunch of stock back in May and June, and they came back and bought about a half a million dollars worth of Zoma. Uh, so we'll find out. And a couple other names uh, that we liked, uh, you know, BRT Apartments, you know, uh, they bought back in uh, um, August and, and the stock was a 23 and now it's 20 and they're they're back buying. I think there was one, two, three, four, five, six, six buys of uh, or $220,000 each. So there we go. And then here's one that's interesting. FedEx, which is, you know, got killed. It was 200 a while back. It's 148 now. Uh, we had uh, Brad Martin, who's a director. Now, that's the second buy in FedEx in a very short period of time. Um, and then uh, Rocket Mortgage, our boy Jay Farner, who's the chief executive officer, on the 30th bought another 31,500 uh, 31, shares. On the 29th, he bought 31,200 shares. On the 26th, he bought 2820. Uh, on the 27th, he bought 29. Uh, thousand eight hundred, and on the twenty eighth, he bought thirty thousand. So he's serious. <laughs> he's been doing this all summer, folks. So uh, he's really anticipating good things. I think. Uh, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. By the way, BF, uh, BFV Partners bought, bought another chunk of Zoma. About uh, I was it was on the it was on the twenty fifth. I think I think you know. So it rolled over for this week. I forgot to mention it. I apologize. There was some other ones that I thought were interesting. Warren Buffett bought more Chevron. He's getting beat up at Chevron. And he went up to 20% ownership of Occidental. He also bought some Procter & Gamble, some Coke, some Johnson & Johnson, and one that I can't read because my handwriting is terrible. Uh, when I figure that out, I'll let you know. Also, Edgewise uh, Technologies, uh, which is a biotech, Orbital Science, uh, or Orbital Med, which is a um, kind of a hedge fund, you know, they're kind of like the Baker Brothers. They involve, they invest in a lot of uh, biotechs, but another four hundred forty eight, uh, four hundred eighty four thousand shares, uh, and they now own fourteen million five hundred seventy six thousand. That a chump change, and Gainco, but another one point one nine million shares of Paramount. They are down two bucks on it, by the way. And they now own 3.997 million. By the way, two very smart individuals. If you don't know who Mario Gabelli is, you should. The, uh, the marvelous Mario, or the great Gabelli, uh, is one of be, between him and John Malone. I think p they have made more money on entertainment stocks than any two individuals in the history of the stock market. They own 8.9 percent of the company in four different funds now, and Warren Buffett owns 12.89 percent of Paramount. Uh, so that's an interesting one. I, you know, I, uh, I know Paramount's trading way, you know, it's at 19 bucks and its book value is like 34 or something like that. So it's, it's a cheap stock. So it's interesting. All right. Uh, so where do we go from here? <laughs> well, you know, we are in this downtrend and I, I don't see any signs of it reversing yet. Uh, I did like what I saw Friday in that I had a lot of green on my screen and, uh, you know, uh, People were asking me, but every biotech I had was up. Uh, every gold stock I had was up. Um, now, I, I also had, you know, uh, several stocks that I've owned for a while, uh, you know, that, that were up. But I had a lot of green on my screen. And the fact that the bullish percent didn't go down, 
All right. It was at 16.1. It was a 16.12. All right. That isn't a bad deal. So, um, you know, why should the uh, standard poor's bottom? Well, if you look at the cycle projections, uh, if you like that cycle stuff, that's there. The breast levels have got extremely contracted. But you know, the other thing is, is when the number of new lows start to dry up, that's a good thing, okay? Treasury yields along with the U.S. dollar might have peaked out. Uh, they probably will peak out because uh, exhaustion gap. DeMarc exhaustion looks to be very close to aligning. If you don't know who DeMarc is, you should. He's now, his stuff is great work. Fantastic work. I've been using it for some time now. Uh, sector strength in the financials uh, and in the formerly beaten down consumer discretionary sec- sectors is positive. Uh, this, by the way, consumer discretionary broke out of an intermediate downtrend versus consumer staples. That's an interesting thing. You know, and if you like Elliott Wave, uh, analysis is an ongoing corrective move. Uh, so wave structure is close to producing an exact time confluence. If you don't know what that is, you should. Sentiment polls, man, I tell you, there ain't nobody bullish out there. Uh, it's it's amazing how bearish everybody is. Um, like I said, you know, the American Association of Individual Investors is at 60.89%, and there's a 35% spread between bears and bulls. Uh, you know, I, actually, it's kind of bigger than that, but... Uh, I'm, I'm, I got to say what the what we say, <laughs> uh, but anyway, when you get this, I've only been to sixty over sixty percent bears three times in my career, and they were all positive. What would you do now? I'd like two two three year CDs, you know, four and a half percent, four point seven percent. You know, if you want to get that that information, you know, call me on Monday. Uh, I, I think those numbers are going to go away fast. That's my humble opinion. Uh, I'm not the shoe shine, you know. Uh, I'm not trying to, uh, you know. Uh, well, let's just put it this way. Uh, I think they're going away fast. Uh, also, this is the time to build a wealth plan. All right. When you go through periods like this, you can go to playground and figure out, hey, have I done something wrong? Am I okay? Am I on track? Okay. So. Go to WHK1420. Go to local podcasts down to the Smart Investor Show and go to my webpage. You can sign up for a wealth plan. Just you know, contact me, email me. Also, I talked about utilities today. Healthcare, you know, if the economy is going to slow down, healthcare is going to be important. You know, they make money no matter what because the, you need a valve, you need a valve. If you need a knee surgery, you're going to get it probably. All right. Also, if you look on my webpage at the bulletin board, uh, it has Rob Schleimer's stuff. It's the trend and cycle. There's also a weekly newsletter there. And then if you go to Insight, we, we just I just changed all the uh, research there. It's an ongoing change. So you can look at that once a week and get some new stuff. Remember, when yields are up, you buy yield, okay? You buy yield when yields are up. Five years after recession, the markets are usually up 250%. That's all I got to say. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself. If you want to have coffee, let me know. Buy low, sell high. representations Thanks may not reflect those of AM 1420 Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.